Hey guys, real quick before we start the show, I just wanted to remind you guys that for the most part, 99% of podcasters do podcasting out of their heart, out of their good spirit, but it's always good for people to support the stuff they like listening to. So if you get anything out of the show or you get anything out of these conversations, please feel free to help us keep the lights on here so we can continue to have these conversations. You can head on over to spotlightcoalition.com and backslash podcast and you'll be able to see some creatives in there that are doing really cool stuff, but you'll also be able to see some links that will allow you to be able to contribute to the show remember everything is only as good as we keep it around for so let's do our job to keep it around thanks guys What's going on, everyone? And thanks for joining me for another great conversation. As always, I appreciate you guys. My next guest does powerful things in his community, and he's such a fun person to talk to. He works with the youth to empower the youth, and that's important because depending on how our youth view themselves, that's going to determine what we, what future we walk into as people. I introduce to you guys the extremely powerful and outspoken Elliot Barrera. Yeah, that's fine. It was freaking amazing because I, I left and I was like, <laughs> look at me looking clean. The like, small things in life, huh? Listen, because before that, it was just me with some scissors and then letting like a youth or my nephew just be like, do what you want. Is and that what you did during the pandemic? Yeah, <laughs> that's what was my survival. But, but then it didn't matter because like, you know, in the Zoom, you make it work. But then I started doing in-persons again. I'm like, nah, I can't be busted in these streets. I think I'm getting to that point right there <laughs> where I was like, uh, I, was, I ain't gonna lie, I was trying to do my own tape up. I don't know how to cut hair. Listen. Bad idea. I watch a YouTube video and they're like, you got to start here now. I'm like, no, yeah. that oh, didn't you work. You want to know what my least favorite line is on those YouTube videos? Just flick the wrist. Yeah. Just, just flick. The, and I'm like trying to flick it and I ain't getting And then no they say shit like, you'll feel it. And I'm like, what am I feeling? Because I'm at the middle of my head now. And it's just like, now I'm wearing a hat for a week. And then they tell you to switch the clip. So I keep going up and up. And my bow cut <laughs> keep going up and up. <laughs> the bow cut and, is the best way to put it. Yo, I rode the whole pandemic with a shitty tape up. Listen, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the comb over with like for me with like the high busted fade I look like one of the Bugaboo boys or one of Proud boys <laughs> out here I was like oh no yeah see but during the pandemic we had to take matters into our own hands Listen, man yeah. survival looked all kinds of ways Listen, sometimes I, messy I, I kind of um, I was willing to get a haircut earlier but the guy that I usually get a haircut mm -hmm. um, I reached out to him and he just went missing like, I'm talking about, like, I don't know if he was dissing me or if he just stopped cutting hair, period. But he disappeared off the face of the mat. You know what's funny? The same thing happened. So I live in Providence now. Okay. Originally Worcester, 508, hey. born and raised. Uh, first generation. Parents are from El Salvador. Hey. And, but I live in Providence now. So I was just like, I love my barber out here um, in Worcester. But I was like, you know, I'm part of the community. I got to be in the community. So, like, let me find a barber. And I found a dope barber. Yeah. Really good. Puerto Rican dude. Hey. And... We started talking. My guy is from Great Brook Valley. He's hey. from Worcester. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? I probably know who he is. I'm from the Valley. <laughs> and, but no, but I, I bring it up because then he disappeared. Yeah. During the pandemic. He just, and then I finally oh, reached man. him and he's like, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm like, I get it. You got to survive. So when I got this haircut, I went back finally to um, my barber back here in Worcester. I'm like, yo, the right. my first cut after like a year yeah. needs to be a one I trust. So I went to go see my boy, Ronnie. CDB Barber, Barber up I went here to see Ronnie before. Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ronnie's a great dude. Yes, and then Ronnie um, hooked it up. Fun fact. 
Uh, I think I forgot the episode. Episode eight, I think Ronnie was on this podcast. Really? Yeah, it was way back, way back oh, when I first started. Geez, yeah, he's Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie is a really cool dude. He uh, he gave me an hour of his time. We did like an old ghetto Zoom phone. It, oh, it was very early. It oh, was crusty. I love it. Uh, uh, shout out to Ronnie. Hope we could get you back on the podcast yeah. now that we're moving on up a little bit. Ronnie, no, Ronnie's a day one. He's uh, Small we went world. to elementary school together. Oh, nice. Small <laughs> world. That's the thing about Worcester, man. You just keep bumping into people. That's you just it. know. Even when I was uh, checking out your profile, mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I, I don't think I know you, but I was still thinking like, Elliot, Elliot looks super familiar, <laughs> Same. man. Yeah, Same. yeah, yeah. So it's I was just like, I know fun. Jose. We'll yeah. figure it out. When we're talking, we're going to figure We're going to be like, that's where I know you Absolutely. From. Hey, you bring up Grateful Valley and uh, <laughs> Puerto Rican Barbara. I bet he asked you if you wanted your eyebrows to get lined up. Did he ask you about the eyebrows? Listen, I was like, do I want two lines or three? <laughs> <laughs> Those Puerto Rican dudes are wild, man. Yeah, you can't get by them without getting a stripe Listen. or without getting the nice, clean eyebrows, man. Be honest with me. How do you feel about the eyebrows, man? I don't do The them. eyebrows? You know, I've never done it. Um, I respect crazy. it. It looks crazy, <laughs> but yo, put your flair. Like you want to put your name in the back. You want to put my name on the back of your head, Jose. I respect it. Yeah. So, yeah. No, but no, it's not for me. I I think a younger me would have dug it. I never did it, but I think a younger me would have done it. But I don't know. I was gonna say no, but I was also the guy that had the baguette in my ear for a long time and had like this crazy fake diamond, thinking that I was super oh, cool. With my... Yeah, I was one of those too. guys. Okay. Me too. Okay. And I had like a little hoop thing going on too. Did you... And it's funny. <laughs> because I forget and my uh, this is like last year one of my younger nephews was just like oh when do you get your ears pierced and I'm like I don't have my ears pierced and I was like oh shit I do have, I, I have yeah. a hole in my ear I do feel that still yeah <laughs> but so I, I yeah but the eyebrows though you kind of just look a little too robotic <laughs> um, like it just looks too clean cut and it's like damn this dude came out of like a like a Mattel factory right like a Barbie factory listen oh man those are spray painted on <laughs> alright Elliot I'm so glad you gave me your time. Hey, I'm honored. I, I appreciate you. Please let the listeners know about you and what you got going on, if you don't mind. Ooh, we. Yeah, this, the, the elevator pitch. The big question. <laughs> uh, so my name is Elliot Rivera. Uh, I use the pronouns he, him, el, ellos. I am born and raised Worcester, Mass, here in the 508, and I currently am blessed to reside in Providence, Rhode Island. And But Worcester's still home. I still do a lot of stuff out here. Um, and what about what I do in Providence is I am blessed to serve as the executive director of a, of a youth-led nonprofit called Youth in Action, Huge. where we create the spaces along with the youth for other youth to share their stories, be heard, be seen, be pulled from the margins. Because youth, youth are always marginalized. They're being pushed. They're not centered. And when they have other identities, could be first generation, could be because they identify as, as somewhere in the LGBTQ spectrum, could be because they're brown or black or they're Asian, or all of these different things, and that pushes them even further. So we work within our agency and with our coalitions to center them, to bring them back in the center, let them tell their stories, their values, honor them, and then layer on all the different skills they need to be to be leaders, not yeah. just at the moment, but going forward. And then we literally support them in creating change in their communities today, not waiting till tomorrow. I love that. And we do that with a bunch of folks. And that, for me, is an extension of what I was already doing here in Worcester and what I wish I had when I was younger, because I didn't have that. For sure, you know? for sure. I, I think that's huge, and I think that's why your, uh, you know, your story rattles with me because, boy, uh, especially you know the marginalized, do we need to know yeah. our self worth? Exactly, and then that's that's also yeah. like what informs how I move and why I do what I do, you know. And yeah. it's like, so I mentioned like I'm still out here doing projects in Worcester because, and I always will be because Worcester is home. So. I'm also blessed to serve on the board of Worcester Ernabike, like the only community bike shop in Central Mass. Dope. And like I was part of leading the transformation there of like getting more community members to serve on that board, including youth, 
and doing more things that are youth-led and letting youth do things, especially in the realm of mobility justice. Yeah. Because you have the bike life youth out here who are like doing their thing, regardless of what people think. They're still young people. Yeah. And yeah. they're the only approach that they were getting for a while was, let's arrest them, let's get them in trouble, let's do these things. So it's just like, no, like well, here are them. Why are they doing this? What's yeah. going on? And so Erna Bike was a part of that. So when I saw that, I joined that there. Um, I'm also supporting. Uh, the boss ass person you had over here, Vanessa, with um, hey. El Salon and Shout the awesome stuff going over there. Yeah. So I'm blessed to serve there, and I'm supporting things all the time. Like I, uh, when I was here in Worcester, I was uh, chairing the, um, the the task force for the healing of boys and men of color through the Worcester Youth Violence Prevention um, okay. um, Initiative. Yeah. And that's also like a big thing I do. Like I, I understand the generational trauma that I carry yeah. being not only everything that was in part for me generationally and through my family, but also as a person that identifies as a man and what that means and what, and as a person that identifies as a brown man and yeah. all these things. So like through my career, I've, I've supported creating the spaces for youth to unpack that, especially young male identified uh, youth. And then as I've gotten older, I've created the spaces for me to explore that and also joined other spaces where other male identified older folks or elders are like out here doing this shit and then supporting each other through the healing so we can all be better yeah yeah, yeah. that's super important because you know uh we just don't have those individuals to show us leadership mm. and then we don't know our self-worth and then when we don't know our self-worth we at least to manipulation right at least to that you know not understanding when you you should speak up not understanding when you should be yourself um i honor that man i value that man i, I appreciate I, that i think that's something that is uh, I, I, I never paid attention to for the majority of my life, and it blows me away when somebody not only pay attention to it, but you're taking action on this. So when did this all start? When did you get the vibe that you needed to, to be this type of leader? Uh, <laughs> or, or, or was it just the lack of something in your life? Interesting question. So like it's, yeah. when, I, uh, when I was finishing high school, yep. trying to get myself through college, that was a mess. It was like, I'm <laughs> never going to work with people. Like, yeah. that was my thing. I'm not going to work with people. I was I was actually a janitor for four years. Okay. And it was it, that, I, I really look back at that time, and it was like a really interesting time for me. But I was also doing a bunch of part-time jobs at the same time. Yeah. And one of my jobs was actually a Blockbuster, RIP. Yeah, <laughs> some of the greatest date nights in the world were at Blockbuster. You know, Blockbuster and chill was a thing. Damn. I've rewinded my tapes too, by the they, way. Oh, T, that, that's respect. I'm just letting you, you know. Made the li- you made our life easier, <laughs> Jose, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but no, so I was working at Blockbuster, and um, there was there was one day, it was a... Uh, the, the Nintendo DS had just come out mm. and like I had it and I remember I had brought it inside because my coworker was like yo let me see that let's play whatever yeah. and it was a slower day and there was this kid little kid and he, I saw him you know peripherally and he was just looking around whatever yep. then it was an hour later and he was still there and then I was I asked my team and I'm like yo did you like have you noticed and he's like oh he comes in all the time and I was like that's odd because he was he's really young and I'm like how did he get here so I reached out to the kid and I'm like hey are you okay and he's just like, yeah, you know, my dad knows I like video games, so he goes to the bar down the street and he just leaves me here until he's ready. Ugh. And then I was just like, whoa, my heart sank, right? And I was like, fuck. And I just felt so bad for him. And then he's like, is that a DS that you have? And I was like, yeah. And then I didn't even think about it twice. I'm like, do you want to play it? And he's like, yeah. So, like, I gave it to him. I put in the Mario 64, whatever game was on it, and mm-hmm. then I gave it to him. Forgot. Literally, after that, I just forgot, you know, the shift picked up, whatever. Must have been like three hours later. He's just like, hey, mister, here you go. I'm all set. My dad's here. And then he gave it back to me. And then I was like, holy shit. And then I remember my, my team was like, you gave that to that kid? And I was like, yeah. What if he stole it? I'm like, I don't, I didn't 
think about that? Yeah. And then yeah. if he did, it was like I I wasn't even thinking about that. So that was like an awakening for me. I was just like, yo, yeah. like, what is it like to have to experience that? And it's just like I'm not saying I experienced that specific thing, but I experienced other things, and it made me really get introspective about my situation and in the situations of other people. Yeah. And then that led me to a to a place where eventually I got. One of the elders in one of the communities I'm part of called it. Uh, he was talking about the hero's journey, right? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a hero, y'all. I'm just saying like yeah. there's just like life. Everyone is a hero within their own life. Yes. And then he has this thing called the irrefutable call, which is like at some point the universe calls you to action, and you can't refute it because it's just gonna keep coming back. Yeah. So like, um, I guess within my own life journey. That was the first one. Didn't make anything of it. And then I got my second one was when I was working as a janitor, one of the elders there was just like, why are you here? And it's like, aren't you in school? Aren't you trying to be something? And I was just like, well, I am something. And she's like, no, but. And she told me about this babysitting job that her granddaughter did. And, and they, pay the, they pay the same as I was getting paid. And it's just like, all you do is you just watch the kids take them to the park. I'm like, okay, bet that sounds like an easy job. Yeah. I applied, got it, went was not a babysitting job. I was working <laughs> I was working in group homes. It was a group home and residential and lockup settings. Oh, wow. And I still remember the first day I walked in, as soon as I opened the door, my new supervisor at the time grabbed me by the shirt, pulled me, and then cuz like when you walked into the house, it was like you go straight, it was to the kitchen, but then there was a staircase going up. Sure. He pulled me and as soon as he pulled me, bang bang bang, like there's furniture coming down the steps. And then uh the youth was just having a, a moment. Yeah. And then the staff ran up and then they like they did the thing to calm him down. And then my, my soon-to-be new teammate was just like, I hope this didn't scare you away. And I was like, actually, this is actually really interesting. Yeah. Like, what is this? And then I was really good at that. Like, I realized, like, I was really good at working with young folks and especially uh, with people, especially young folks who no one else wants to work with. Like, the, one, the people that feel like they're, they're disregarded. And then that, that got me into the classrooms. I was working in schools for a while. I did community research for a bit. I still do community research. So, and I was working with people that in the medical world, in the community health, like people they couldn't reach. Yeah. People get people get ostracized. People get pushed out. People get marginalized. Sure. Like, and we do it to each other. Yeah. And it's just like, sometimes all it takes to get people recentered is just to be like, what's up, Jose? Yeah. And mean it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And just fucking mean it. Right. And then it's, like, people want to be heard. People want to be seen. Like, we're social fucking creatures. Yeah, so, like, exactly. we got to create that for each other. And that goes in every single paradigm and every single possibility that we can do. It's not just about people working in the public or, or, or nonprofit sector or education. Like in the private sector, everything, like everything's designed to keep people out yeah. and keep people not centered. So it's just like when you center people, everybody wins. Everybody gets better. Right. I, I don't even know how I got on that tangent. Pull me back. <laughs> no, no, no. That's beautiful. It's, it's exactly what's the problem is now, especially after a year of COVID, when it kind of yeah. seems like everybody's divided uh, yeah. and was actually instructed to divide, which is very weird. Exactly. Um, so, that should happen internally and externally. Yeah, and I think it's still happening. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know you, you brought up before we started recording that the pandemic's technically not over, but it's yeah. like, I don't think it'll ever be over in the minds of a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, and, say more and about I'm, that. I'm worried about that. What I, do you mean? I, well, what I'm worried is is that people have been locked into fear so long yeah. that now they kind of see people as like um like a walking walking contagion. Mm. You see, so okay, now I see it's what like, you're saying. So when are they going to shake that off? Because people still wear masks, people yeah. still are getting their, their shots, people are so, but people are still getting worse about it. Like now it's like. You see these little. I've seen. I saw a picture on on Twitter the other day where it was like they were at like a like a rock show. Uh huh. And, and you know, like the the safety railing. 
Yeah. Well, they had boxes of those safety railings with people in them. Yeah. And then there was a picture standing next to it with boxes of sheep sitting inside of the same similar mm. design. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm like, so we know that things are getting better, but people still decide to separate from each other and ostracize each other, uh, especially for the decisions that they make, which is very weird. Yeah. I, well, I think I think it's I think it's complex, right? And I think okay. part of I think part of that is, you know, so some people are still wearing masks, and like there are people who like. I know and who I trust and respect, and I think that they're really critical thinkers, are still gonna wear masks sure. for for long for the long term. And then when you look at it, uh, especially at a global scale, yeah, there are a lot of cultures and countries that have been wearing masks whenever they're it's flu season. I'm gonna wear a mask as a courtesy, as a courtesy, right. you know. And also like I'm feeling a little sick, I'm gonna wear a mask. Yeah. And if we think like I and like I I was talking to a friend. It's just like yo yo like you remember when you'd see someone with a mask before and you'd be like what's wrong with them? Yeah. Now it's just like oh you it makes sense. It makes sense. So I think when we use like the analogies of like herding sheep or like you're falling into the box and all this other stuff, it can get really complex, right? Because okay. it's just like, what are the intersections there? Like, why is it that people are doing? Because it's easy to do a blanket statement of like, oh, they're just, they're all scared or they're all whatever. Yeah. Sure, that's part of it. And that's probably truth for some people completely. Yeah. But I think more of it is just like, what do we learn? What is different? So I think it's just one of those things where it's going to like, the pandemic is new for everyone that's alive right now. Like, there's probably a handful of people who maybe saw the last one yeah. 100 years ago. Sure. And all the little ones that happened in, like, the 60s and 70s. But, like, this is the the last real one in, like, 100 years. Sure. So people are experiencing shit. And they're, they're also responding to, like, a level of mistrust to, yeah. like, uh, leaders that they've also experiencing. So it's all of a sudden it's like, you're telling me not to wear a mask, but, like, now everybody's getting sick. And you look at, like, what's happening in India, right? Like, their own leader was just, like, it literally said the pandemic is over. Yeah. And now they're in a mega crisis. So I'm sure that wasn't the only thing that's causing that, but yeah. it played a role. So people are meeting sure. trust. So they're trying to figure out. Everyone's trying to figure out right now what is healthy, no pun intended, but, like, what is the healthy approach to, like, being careful during things like this? Sure, sure. And and I think that should be left to every single person. That's, our, that's our liberty. That's our, yeah. you know, our defense of our family. Um, but what's starting to happen, at least what I've seen with my eyes, is the, um, like, the ostracizing of people taking accountability for themselves, right? Mm. Because if you're, an in, if you're an individual that actually... You know, um, let's just use me, for example. So I take pride in taking accountability. I take mm -hmm. pride in working out. I take pride mm -hmm. in making sure I eat healthy and have the right vitamins and nutrients and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I have chosen not to get the vaccination, but mm -hmm. it's not because of an anti-vaccination thing. Mm -hmm. It's because I feel I'm doing the right job mm -hmm. to make sure I don't need it. Okay. And that's been proven because thankfully up to this point, I've been fine. Yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I work in a hospital. So I, mm. I, I was firsthand in this situation. I saw it firsthand yeah. uh, at its worst point. Um, I'm getting ostracized for that. Because the other person now who may not want to take accountability for themselves, <laughs> meaning that they may be outside smoking cigarettes, yeah, yeah. which is probably the worst thing you can do here. Mm. Uh, they may be, you know, in, in bad health situations or whatever, uh, ostracizing me and calling me selfish for having my, mm -hmm. uh, you know, cards in order. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a weird conversation because I obviously respect their decision to get the shot. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I know certain individuals that are just older. My parents got the shot. Like, mm. it's all fantastic. Mm -hmm. But it, it's weird when, they, it, when, it, when it intrudes into, well, how come you're not joining us? Mm. How, well, because I take care of myself. Well, you're still selfish for not protecting us. It's yeah. very weird. It's a weird dynamic. It's weird. And, yeah, and, you know, Everything's complex, and it's just, and it, but it's it is weird, right? So like I'm sitting across, and I'm vaccinated, and yeah. I made that choice, and I think about Fantastic. like when I walked into your ho your home, yeah, I had my mask on, you did, and, and I know scientifically I don't need that, yeah, but I wore it because I wanted to make sure a courtesy, a, yeah, it's a courtesy, and also like 
yo, science changes every day. So like it could be that like I'm around a lot of people. So it could yeah. be like I might have something. I don't want to bring it to your home. Yeah. So that's why I asked you. I'm like, yo, Jose, are you, does it, you feel safe with me taking this For off? Sure. You said, yeah, then I did. If you told me no, can you please keep it on? I actually put on the second. Yeah. As long as I can breathe, I do it. Plus, <laughs> this video would have sucked ass if you would have had that mask ah, on. You don't want just you can look into my eyes. <laughs> that's true. Um, am I supposed to be upside down? I think yeah, I'm upside yeah, down. Okay. I was that, just yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I broke it. I break that, everything. That's just the lens. You get. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. I, listen, I wear the mask. I'm very respectful human being. I definitely don't care about none of that. It's just I've noticed the 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 uh overwhelming yeah. you know like hey you should do that and i've seen it the other way around i've yeah. seen the cocky snobs that are like i don't need a mask and blah blah so it, it's just a very weird world and then once again i don't know when this heals yeah so to quote the pandemic as ever ending is like when is that point going to happen because yeah. everybody's just weird now man yeah and, and and that's why I'm still humble that I can reach out to great people like you and you're like hell yeah let's do this yeah. because for the most part people are just like get away like you're yeah I mean and, and, and that comes from like so I need to so me as an individual I have to define what feels safe for me right so like sure. I have to create that boundary and then trust yep. right like I feel like that's my that's the word of 2021 for me it's like I need to trust yeah so like if this was pre-vaccine Elliot yep you probably would have been like, yo, he's like got a tinfoil hat on right now. Like he's whatever. <laughs> and it's just cause like, I, I like, I'm really serious about this and it's just like, and you know, I do have some comorbidities and I know the facts and it's like, I'm probably going to be fine, but it still worried me. And like, I have, you know, when I think about the pandemic, I've known a shitload of people that have gotten it all ages. And when I think about all my friends and people that I know who have gotten it, who are, so I'm 35. Okay. So people who are 10 years younger than me or 10 years older than me. Yep. There's no science to this. There are people who are younger than me who are healthier and they, they have no conditions or whatever, and they got really sick or ended up in the hospital. Or yeah, fuck, and, yeah. and then there are people who are older than me, in worse shape, have like all these conditions, and they had a cough and they were good. This is very weird, man. Yeah, and then, yeah. and it's like, and I just had someone who I personally know who was on a ventilator like not too long ago, and he's the same age as me. And this is like in February-ish. So it's just like, I don't know, yeah. and I'm not trying to find out. So, like, I yeah. made a decision to myself. I'm like, yo, when I have access to this vaccine, I'm going to take it. Yeah. I still don't know what I just put in myself. Like, yeah, I, yeah. it's just like, you know, and as people bring up, like, the Tuskegee experiment, they, I would talk about what they did to, to, to the Guatemaltecos down, uh, the U.S. did with the testing and stuff over there, the hysterectomies that are happening with the, with, with uh, women in the borders. So it's just like, I don't trust the government, and I don't trust, like, like I there's a part of me that's been ingrained to be like, is this a right, are you making a right call? But yeah. I'm like, yo. This feels safe to me. The science says this makes it safe for my community, especially because I'm being out and about. Yes, sir. So I did it. So I did it. And then, like, for me now, I get to reshuffle for myself. Okay, what does it mean to be safe right now? Yeah. So when you reached out and you're like, would you want to come and hang out in the, you know, in this room where I record where it's closed and there are no windows and we're going to talk from each other and I'm going to tell you that I don't have a yeah, vaccine? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, the the Elliot that's pre-vaccine is like being like, what the hell are you doing? But the post-vaccine Elliot has negotiated what safety yeah. means. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening when we talk about the larger world, right? It's just like people are still negotiating within themselves what what means what's okay yeah. and then trust that and move forward. Yeah, and yeah, people yeah. are learning. Everything's still fresh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we learn in the age of uh, Trumpism, right, in the age mm -hmm. of that political field that now everybody feels like they can say whatever they want to anybody else. Both sides, mm -hmm. by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and if we want to do on the stick, stick on the vaccine, the pro-vaxxers versus the, the against, they're both very extreme on both ends. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's legit. But that's the thing nowadays. It used to be an age yeah. where you were able to just do your thing mm -hmm. and people would mind their business because they were doing their thing. And now it's just like, I have to go and tell you in your face now that I don't like your thing. Yeah, I mean, well. That, Shit. Well, I mean, I think it's, I think people have always been doing that, except the yeah, things sure. were like a lot more like serious. It was just like, 
this is my bubbler. Your bubbler is over there. Yeah, like, your entrance is over here. Mine is over here. Yeah. This is my seat on the bus. This is my country. This is my work. And yeah. you go even further, and it's just like, no, you're a serf. You do this. Yeah. No, you're part of that tribe. You stay over there. So, like, this is human condition. And it's yeah. just like we have been doing this. We're doing this. And it's just like the social. I think what it is, it's like we live in a constant contact social media, like, we have this conversation today. Yep. You can post this video and this audio and the whole world will have access in it live if you wanted to. Incredible. You know what I'm saying? Which yep. is incredible. So like it, we're in over information overload. So yeah. everything feels hyper intense. But this behavior is historical. Like this is what we do. Right. And it's just like in any argument, there's always extremes. Sure. And it's always like what's the truth at the center? Right. You know, because like that's what brings us together. And we always have to keep pushing towards the center and be patient with each other. And I'm not coming here and saying that as like a as a as a as a I don't, I, I'm perfect with this. Yeah. I struggle with this. Like, this is literally part of my work. It's just like, yo, sometimes when I get impassioned, I go into a place where I'm like, yo, and I catch myself and, or others that care about me catch me and they're like, yo, you're speaking in absolutes yeah. and you just, you just push me away. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, did I? And it's just, I have to catch myself and bring myself back. So if I know I'm going to fuck up and I know that you're going to fuck up and I know this person and we have to be patient to keep centering ourselves back yeah. to like who we are, right? Yeah. To like, because that's all we have. But you want to know what scares the shit out of me, man? Mm that we get to a world where you and I can't be in the same exact room, mm. right? That the bubblers will be split because uh, you're vaccinated, I'm not, right? Like, this is the world that we're getting to. Uh, the New York Mets and the New York Yankees just announced that the field, the, the stadium will be split between people that have vaccines and not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, see, it went from, a, 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 and I'm not talking about you personally, but just to yeah. use your reason, it went from you saying this is a safe decision for me yeah. to now somebody else saying, nah, if you don't do it, you're not safe, period. Yeah. Uh, so my thing is, it's getting scary is, is that the people are forgetting the thin line. Like, there's a lot of people that are that definitely bring up racism and definitely mm -hmm. bring up its struggles and injustices. Yeah. But if you tell a person they can't get on a flight because of a vaccine, if you mm -hmm. tell a person they can't sit next to another person because of a vaccine, that is extreme racism. And it's mm -hmm. actually a bigger racism because at that point, it's all, you know, races and all colors. It's just whether you do this or not. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like you said, it seems to be a big, big distrust with government, right? Mm. And I don't think the government has done anything to stifle down that mistrust. I think they mm -hmm. continue to fall on their faces. Of course. And we continue to watch, <laughs> and the mistrust just continues to get worse yeah. and worse and worse. So when a Fauci comes out and starts to tell me random things that I don't understand, it just makes me think in my head, wow, this guy is so old that I don't even think he understands what's really happening. Mm. And you could have been great 40 years ago, but that doesn't make you great now. Yeah. And I mean in his field, which is, you know, the bio stuff, the uh -huh. basically the disease stuff and all that. That's fantastic. That's the same thing recently as what I've been seeing with uh, Joe Rogan saying something about kids and COVID and getting shit about it. Um, but Bill Gates is able to say, listen, if I'm going to take health advice, it's going to be from Joe Rogan. It's not going to be from Bill Gates. But for some reason, we, not we personally, but we seem to take Bill Gates' word more important than the Joe Rogan, especially when it comes to health, which is very weird. Well, where's, where's the we coming from? Like, where, where do you, where do you, what's pulling you to feel that? We in what situation? So, like, you're saying that you, you said the statement, like, we are seeing, like, Bill Gates as, like, when it, when it comes to, like, medical advice, we're going to listen to the him majority. before we listen. The American population, the majority, he gets away with more than he's supposed to get. And this is not to go down a conspiracy rabbit hole. I actually yeah. like Bill Gates. I'm not even worried about Bill Gates like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but it still baffles me that he can come out, and I've seen the headlines back to back, uh -huh. where his headline can say, hey, health, uh, I don't know the exact headline, but health reason 101. Mm -hmm. And it's like, top headline. And then Joe Rogan says, blah, blah, blah about health. And it's like, why the hell would he say that? Mm-hmm. 
Well, that guy actually has experience in health and in biochemistry and has been doing it for a mm-hmm. lifetime. This other guy designed windows. That's the guy I need to get the health advice from, if any of the two. I'm not saying you should get advice from any of these two guys. <laughs> like, right, but we're talking about the comparison game. Yeah. That's what's getting very weird to me, uh, and that's the, the the world. That's That whole tangent was, that's the world I fear that we're getting to, where it's like, yeah. even if I wear the mask, even if I'm a respectful mm-hmm. human being, even if I'm accountable for my actions, yeah. by working out and doing what I have to do, yeah, yeah. somebody else is still going to have the power to tell me, nah, my man, you can't get on this flight. Mm. Yeah, no, and and I and I hear all that. And I hear I hear, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, we yeah. just have to be careful with like the the the, the stories, right? Because it's just like because sure. it's like I, I hear that, and I hear that comparison, and you're right. I'm not going to take medical advice from you <laughs> either of them. But no. it's just like, you know, statements like when we say like you know most people are going to listen to this. It's just like, well, you know, I hear where you're coming from, but like that's a story, you know. Like there's like sure. I, I don't know what's what's where that's coming from, and um. Yeah, and I hear you in terms of like, yo, like creating this divide and like where, where, what's there. And I think that's where voices are important, right? Like that's where we're like, well, you know, why would you do that other than for political reasons? Like you like you really want all the votes from people who are in this sector who are more often and not vaccinated. So you're going to make them feel better. And on the other end, you're just sure. like, I'm going to do the complete opposite because my population, according to the data that they politically receive, doesn't believe in the vaccine, so I'm going to do the opposite. And it's just like, yo, stop doing shit for votes because, like, that's the dumbest shit ever. I hate it. I've been saying, like, this whole, like, ah, I'm not feeling the mood for political, but fuck, we're there. It's just like... I love, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I love talking about it. I hate politics, though. It, yeah, <laughs> same. And it's just like, yo, this political system doesn't make sense. These parties don't make sense. It's whatever. And it, and it causes divisions. So it's just... I don't know. My whole thing is just that we always got to be conscious of the stories because they'll influence ourselves and they'll influence how we move and how we talk and then that influences other things. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it's influencing policy and now it's having the same effect that you're, we're trying not to, right? Like, we don't want to create divisions, but all of a sudden, if we're, if we're moving through, if we're moving informed by story, then all of a sudden, we're making decisions that could influence a story at a higher level. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're creating the division, the very same divisions we're trying to destroy. I do agree with the stories. They, they, yeah. they, they drop left and right. They seem to be easy to fall into nowadays. I do get that. And I don't bring that stuff up to try to build any stories. It's just to build conversation. Right? For sure. Um, but but the, the weird part about it is just that, is that that, 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 that device seems to be very extreme. And what I would hate is for a shitty politician to take Elliot's personal um, mm-hmm. you know, agenda to take a shot because, like you said, it feels safe for you as their political agenda to now make sure everybody has to do it. Yeah. Uh, and and but, that's scary. That sucks. No, it, it's scary and it sucks. And the thing is, yeah. like, it will happen. And maybe it has happened. And it's just like, that's why we keep talking, right? Because, like, they will build a story, but it's what is the counter narrative and how are we presenting it and how are we continuing to build? Because yeah. it's just like, if someone's going to go and then say, you know, use the story of Elliot to whatever and build this other narrative, then the other voices are going to be like, well, that, that's not that's not true. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, always calling a story for what a story is and then pushing towards the fact and truth. And you're like, what are you trying to accomplish? But then always, all this shit takes patience. So like, we have yeah, to yeah, be yeah. patient with ourselves and, and uh, our communities around us. Yeah, yeah, so what's the, I mean, there's no, and Elliot, if you had the magic wand, how would you cure politics? Do you get rid of, <laughs> do you get rid of it completely? Do you change a certain structure of it? Because I do agree it's an outdated legacy system mm-hmm. um, in a world that's moving way too fast. Yeah. Uh, so, but what would you do to fix it, to yeah. address it? I don't know. Yeah, but it's a hard answer. No, I know, but I think one of the first things for sure that would move us in a direction is thinking about like how what does participation look like and what does representation look like? Sure. So, you know, going back to something we talked about earlier in terms of like the youth, it's just like 
people and adults are making decisions for schools and school committees and like at the administrative level and all these other things that are influencing the lives of thousands of thousands of young humans. Yeah. But they have no influence in the decisions of what's going on for them. And, and it's because we have this narrative that's built of like they are incomplete humans. Yeah. You know, they're not they they don't have the knowledge yet. They don't have all these things. But then, you know, when they actually do research, they're like, actually, young people are really great problem solvers because yeah. they haven't been jaded by all these other things yet. And they Correct. haven't been influenced by all these other things yet. And so it's just like, so I think about, okay, we're talking about school policy. What's it, what's, what's a, what's a, in political things around schools, what's a solution? Well, do the youth have a voice? Do the yeah. youth have, uh, are they participating in the politics that are affecting their lives? And then I think that's a story for the rest of politics too. Like sure. who, who's actually making decisions, right? So it's just like city of Worcester is going through its renaissance, right? Renaissance for who? Worcester is doing the same shit that Providence is doing. They want to be the suburb of Boston. Why the hell do you want to be the suburb of Boston when each one of these cities, which, I, side note, I don't understand why Providence and Worcester don't do more shit together because they're both lit-ass cities and they feel like they're either competing or they're just not communicating. Okay. That's my story, Elliot's story. <laughs> but it's like, um, I agree with that. Yeah, but, and then both of them are like, we are suburbs of Boston. Like, live here and then you can take the train or you can take the whatever line. And it's just like, but why? Y'all right. have dope identities. So when I think about Worcester's Renaissance, it's like, okay, sure. Like, it allows great things to happen. So, like, a great, like, like um, you know, um, El Salon, Vanessa, and all these folks are, are getting opportunities to build in certain things that the municipality seems to be supporting at some level. Okay. But it's just like, but then at the same time, you're allowing areas to be gentrified. Like, I just read something. I didn't read the article. I saw the headline that the, the zoning or something just approved a 13-story construction in the Canal District. And I'm like, what is that going to be? Is that going to be more luxury housing? Because, like, I know friends that grew up, like, on Millbury Street and Vernon Hill and over by Compton Park. They can't afford that. Yeah. And then as soon as that builds up, and if, if that is luxury housing, for example, yeah. with this new stadium that, like, I got all kinds of feelings about, then it's just, like, they're going to get priced out. And that's what happens. So it's right. just, like, who's making the decisions? And what is the, what is the participation of the communities that are most impacted? And what is their representation? And you hear all the time, well, it's just, like, well, you know, do they have this like do they have the civic understanding and the knowledge to make these decisions? It's just like, well, no, because the systems don't allow that. Like we're not teaching youth civics. We're not teaching youth no. these things. So then they become adults that don't understand this power. Yeah. So, you know, and if if you're not if you're not you said something earlier that made me think about this quote, but I can't remember what you said, but it's like if you're not living your truth and you're living your story, then you're living somebody else's. For sure. Even if you think you're not, if you're not actively pushing towards what you need for yourself, you're pushing towards somebody else. Yeah, that's absolutely, and that's yeah. painful. Um, I, how do you feel about the park, man? Because, I mean, <laughs> as a homeowner, I, I see asset inflation. I mean, that's uh, true. That's and, true. And, and I do see, uh, we could talk about the, the, the government <laughs> and how they keep printing that money uh, uh, if we talk about that stuff. But yeah, how do you feel about that ballpark? Because I hate it. I don't think it makes sense. I don't understand. I don't, like, why? Me either. Better why? Yep. <laughs> no, and it's and just like Theo, that's why. No, listen. That's why. Um, <laughs> I joke, I joke, <laughs> I joke all the time. I'm like, yo, that that was a trade between Rhode Island and Worcester for me, and uh, like Rhode Island won because they got me. <laughs> but no, but I no. like that. <laughs> yeah. All jokes aside, though, is um, I think that is a a money sink. Like I'm hopeful that things work out for people in the community. I don't see how. I don't see that pathway, and I also don't see how this is a sustainable business. You know, post pandemic. Park is full on. The restaurants are open. Canal District's going to be bumping, right? Right. Is that going to be like that five years from now? Who could afford that? Exactly. Yeah. 
I'll tell you the people who uh, who are living in the new suburb of Boston, they can afford it. Yeah, in the condominiums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Listen, I can't tell you like how many people are like, I go to Worcester. Like, I love Worcester. And I'm like, what's your experience of Worcester? And it's just like, you know, they literally jump off of two nights and they're like, oh, you know, I go to Birch Tree, I get my coffee, ah, and then I get some Mexican. Hit Patron, a little bit of hookah. A little bit of hookah, <laughs> and you know, then you get there soon. They're gonna add like, uh, oh, and then I, we went to go see the game, and then I had drinks at the Worcester Market, and yeah, it's just yeah. like. I so, love my white people, man. They think I know. They they watch the show and they're probably thinking like, man, this guy. I love my white people. Y'all funny. For the record, I did not say a race. I just said people. But you can hear. <laughs> but it I'm here. You. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. Hookah. But... Who says hookah? <laughs> no, uh, but no. But no. And it's just like, like that's, that's not Worcester. And like so when, right, when I go back to um, when I was working at the group homes, right? So yep. like my the first group home I worked that was in Grafton. So it's like right on the what is that the east side? East side is like on the east side of Worcester. You end up in Grafton, and yep. Grafton Street's right there. I am a Bell Hill kid. So, like, I, w- I w- grew up in a three-decker on Eastern Avenue um, until my parents finally moved a little bit further down to, like, Highland Street. Yep. So, like, right off of there. But I was going to schools on the east side. So, like, I, sp- I-, I spent a lot of time over there. Sure. You know, it's a diversified a little bit. But, yo, like, that has been, like, the, the-, the whitest suburban, like, experience. For sure. When I was working in Grafton, the Graftonites from there, they're like, oh, I don't go to Worcester. And it's just like, wh- why? What happened? He's like, I when I go to Friendly's on Grafton Street, it's just, is the whole city like that? And I'm like, on Grafton Street? Yeah. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> you took it to the heart. I was like, Grafton Street scared you? Yeah, so it's that just is like, pretty bad. I was like, oh, man. So it's just yeah. like, uh, so it's just, so th- that's what worries me about this Worcester Renaissance. is just yeah. like, who is this renaissancing for? Yeah. You know? It's, and you even put a European name on it. The Renaissance is a European thing. But who, that is true. That's a fact. Who who the hell asked for a base, baseball in Worcester, though? Not me. I, I don't think anybody did. I've never <laughs> even did. Nobody from Worcester was like, hey, man, I'm headed to the game. Listen, those little Holy Cross games are dope, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. That's about as that's far right. as That's right. We have like 30 stadiums now. That's right. Yeah, which is, <laughs> I, I see it as a money grab as well. I mm. see it as attention for the city. Um, I think it's disgusting. Um and it's whatever. As a homeowner, it's acid inflation. It's good. Yeah. Um, but if you continue to do these projects, the same people that you're saying that you're trying to help, you're actually harming. Mm. And you're harming them um, not only on a state level because, you know, you're adding this stuff and you're gentrifying, like you said, and, and making it so these people can't even live. Listen, yeah. nobody on Vernon Hill is going to afford a steak. <laughs> and that's no offense to anybody in Vernon Hill. I actually lived in that area for a very long time. But that's just, you know, you're not going to go out for a steak. You're going to order golden pizza. Listen, the sweet and sour chicken pizza at Golden. Boom. Yeah, yeah. I'm not hating on Golden. I'm just saying, <laughs> you ain't going for the T-bone. You're going to go for Golden pizza. Don't go for the T-bone. Go for the ribeye. That's hey, what's hey, hey, okay. I'm wrong. <laughs> that's, that's real. But but that's a problem. And then on a, on a you know, bigger Fed level, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they continue to print this money. And I'm so jaded by this. I know so many people need this money. Um, I know it's helpful to a lot of families. I'm yeah. not being insensitive. Yeah. But since we don't know nothing about money, mm-hmm. I think people miss the uh, the problem that, you know, this money is yours to be paid immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, inflation is a real thing. Uh, I don't think our people know enough about these things. Mm-hmm. And we're uh, instant gratifiers. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say that it's just Hispanics, but the person that doesn't know anything about money is the person that ends up at Walmart buying TVs as soon as that money comes in. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're wrong. It's because they don't know any better. Um if they, there's another stimulus in the work, supposedly. If they continue to print money, they're going to hemorrhage this thing, which they already have. And people, average day nine to fivers, are not going to be able to live. 
Mm. And then what happens is they kill they they kill the buying power of the dollar. And then the promise that we were made as hard nine to five workers, which is, hey, leave your money in a 401k, becomes a myth because by the time you get to the age to get it out, mm-hmm. it's worth a third of its buying power. So no, I, and I and I and I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So like, I am not an economy major. Me neither. So like, listen, when I had to start writing budgets at my agency, I was like, DK, what are these budget lines? <laughs> and like, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. So you know, but um, I have heard economists and other friends who are deeper in this realm being like, inflation through this through what's happening is not a thing. And then there's a reference to um, the historical context of when other things had to be printed during different times, and maybe printing is not the word, but like, and, you and you know, it's one of those things where it's like, if you are like, where it's the this, if you are this dominant structure and you're and you're creating these finances, like you're not going to. It's like the idea of like this idea of, of um, the American debt. Is it really a debt? And like, what is this? What, like, how does this work? Sure. So again, not an economy major. Not many, but like I have heard different economists say. Yeah. Inflation isn't a concern with this, with what's happening. Yeah. Oh uh, no, it's yeah. Have you ever tried? Have you tried to buy wood, lately? Mm-hmm. Have you tried to buy like lumber or anything lately? Have I bought lumber? No. That's a random question. I know. But it, <laughs> I was it, like, it, you actually, I was like, I don't know. I mean, I've been doing, I be doing, <laughs> I be doing things in nature, so I'm like, yo, did we buy wood? I actually, <laughs> built a, we built a fire for the youth like last weekend. So we, yes, I have that, bought wood. It's very expensive, as hell, <laughs> is my point. Um, but yeah, I just think if people were were given the option of mm-hmm. like, you know, hey, figure it out and be scrappy now, especially mm-hmm. us, you know, scrappy people, right? Yeah. Uh, as Spanish people, as Latin people, uh, uh, be scrappy now, or or basically curse your children in a sense because you're mm. gonna make it so expensive that they can't live. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people would choose not to take that money. It's my point. Mm. Um, and I think most people are not aware of that. And I've actually made it not a mission per se that, but I actually made it an awareness thing to where I have to wake people up to that. Um, financial literacy is important, and like financial literacy for our community, especially like from elders to youth, is critical. Like it's like well, times are, ten that yeah. last year. Yeah, what happened with COVID? Times ten that yeah. that need mm-hmm. is times ten now. I yeah, because people... you think about it, people are leaving the, like high school, for example, right? Yep. And they don't know why you should have a bank account sure. and like what the different ones do. They don't understand how credit works. Yeah. And they don't understand, like, what what is a loan? How does that work? What does it mean to own property and assets and have equity? What does it mean, like, to uh, invest? Right. Like, what does it mean to, uh, uh, when when it comes to things like cryptocurrency that are that's happening right now? Like, sure. these things aren't happening. So it creates this, this knowledge deficit, which is, like, that's capitalism 101, right? Like sure. you make sure certain people have knowledge and power and then the others don't and then you feed off of those. Yeah. Like that's the that's the whole analogy too of like the you have a you have an you have an immigrant and then you have a working class person and then you have a banker and then the banker has a plate full of cookies and he puts one cookie on the table and it and then whispers into the working class American is like, "Hey, he's looking at your cookie." Yeah. And all of a sudden like you have this conflict and you, and then the banker's making money and and even though he has a plate full of cookies. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. just like and that's just what it is. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's you need that. There needs to be like a level of understanding that we give to our people. You know, this goes back to the idea of politics, right? Like, what is the participation when trying to solve the issue of politics? Like, what is the participation and the knowledge that we're giving people to make prudent decisions right. for themselves and their uh, and the people around them? Right, right. Well, because you create a sense of scar- of scarcity, and all of a sudden, people are, are are trying to survive. Yeah. And then, but in reality, they're not surviving, and they're making more money for other people. Yeah. Well, inflation is the tool that keeps the illiterate illiterate, right? Mm. Because, you know, obviously when when inflation happens, when the Fed pumps money into the system, 
the old saying, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And the reason that is is because the rich know how to have assets and their assets inflate. On the other hand, the nine to five worker, which is the illiterate, has no idea and they're putting their money in savings and they're putting it in the bank. The, ma the bank is making a killing lending their money, but the Fed is doing a great job of melting their money. And I don't think we understand that. Uh, and, and I agree with you. I mean, I, my whole tangent is, is financial literacy is a mm -hmm. huge thing, but not just financial literacy because even that game that they're playing on Wall Street is a really big game. Mm -hmm. um, and and, and it, it's just just having, having the asset, having the ability to be able to get out of that situation and it sucks, man, because my dad, I, I see his money melt away. I see him at his age being able to struggle around. And I, I just remember him telling me all the time, you know, people get, people get blown away when they find out that the bank doesn't have the money that they put into it. Hmm. It's mind-blowing to people how much they trust the bank, that entity, and how much it's actually taking away from them. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've ever walked up to your account to try to do something in an emergency and been blocked from it. Hmm. Why? You guys don't have the funds. You guys don't have that ability. And, and, and it's getting dangerous, Elliot. And yeah. I, I don't need to go on a rant about mm -hmm. doomsday scenarios, but I, I think everything is peachy until the money gets messed up. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember your reference that you just brought up to history. Mm -hmm. um, this is a fact. Mm -hmm. And every empire that has ever existed, the collapse of money has been the collapse of the empire. Mm. Um, others have had 700, 700 years. I think we've only had like 100. I could be wrong. Is it 200? 200 years. 250. 250, something like that. So we didn't make it as far as these other ones, and we're already fucking with the money. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's dangerous, and I think people should have an awareness so they yeah. can prepare for it. Yeah, it no, sounds and, very doomsday. It really does. <laughs> but I don't mean to be doomsday. <laughs> no, I think you're bringing awareness, right? And I think yeah, this goes yeah. back to like some of the conversations that we've talked, we were saying earlier, where it's yeah. just like conversations need to happen, right? Because if there's no conversations, if there's no chance for me. So if you're saying inflation's doing this, and I'm like, well, I don't think anything's inflating. We are in a system that's going to put us separate so that we can't talk. The more that we talk, like we will that. find the solution. I like that. that and then all of a sudden, people yeah. are going to think, oh, shit. Yeah. They actually broke that cookie in half. They and then now, now they're hungry and they want the rest of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're looking at us now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, that's the thing, right? And that's yeah, what's yeah. so freaking important is having conversations. I agree, man. And being patient and doing it with an open fucking heart. Because, like, that's how we solve problems and that's how we keep moving forward. Yeah. Because, just, like, I know, like, the economy and money causes so many empires to collapse, but it also collapses because the people who are making those decisions are isolating others and then the others are done with it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That, yeah, that's part of it. The, the cookie crumbles when you start fucking with the money. We be talking about cookies. Yeah. Now I want some cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. And, and, and that's that's why I, I started this podcast for the same exact reason. For cookies? For, yeah, cookies too. <laughs> I get, my wife's a baker, by the way. Hey, oh, uh, hello. <laughs> but uh, uh, conversation. Conversation. Of course. Um, yeah. I, when I first started the podcast, when I had Ronnie on and stuff, mm -hmm. it was more mm -hmm. like um, I was helping... You know, um, small business owners kind of get yeah. the vibe. And that was cool. I love doing that. I still love doing that. I help small business owners all the time with information. Yeah. Um, but eventually, I turned into Jose Burgos podcast. Hey. And I figured out that I figured out like a little cheat code to my introvertness, which is like, <laughs> hey, if I can get people here to talk to me, we could have fantastic conversation. And like you said, we could break down some of this stuff yeah. here in person. And I don't have necessarily have to go and be at the cool people party. Does that make sense? You are the cool people. Don't hey, let people I appreciate tell you that, it, man. Hey, that you're not. I've always been the kid, and I say this all the time. I've always been the kid that saw where the cool kids hung out, was close enough to hear it, but didn't feel like hanging out. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just at a distance just watching. 
Uh, but do you know now that you are the cool kid? I, I don't think I'm the cool kid. But you I are appreciate the cool that. Kid. I appreciate you the love. Cool <laughs> yeah. My, so kids, I, I, my kids would argue that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear that. But but you know, you're bringing an interesting point. I, let me get to know you more. So tell yeah, me yeah. tell me about like. So oh, you, you, you mentioned that. <laughs> These people are sick and tired of hearing me. Nah, but I'm not. We're going to do this. Tell me about like, so you said you were like introverted and then you're doing this. So like, how does that mesh with you, right? Like, what is it? How do, How does that help you progress through that and like what does that mean to you like to be introverted yeah well i'm I'm introverted um because um i just i, I don't function well around people mm. I, right you would probably be like hell no i don't function well oh i'm not confident well enough around people mm. so what this podcast but i've always been the person that loves to help people mm-hmm. right so I, I it gives me the spiritual cleansing right the spiritual yeah. goodness to be able to help somebody overcome a problem yeah. or be able to you know you know give eureka to somebody Facts. right so that's I always enjoyed that, but because I've always been away from people, I can't really give them that. Yeah. So this podcast allowed me to, at the very least, be able to highlight people's stories hmm. and be able to share it with my audience and the people that care about me and care about what I'm doing. Uh, so I'm helpful in the sense that, at the very least, yeah. you'll get exposure. Yeah. At the very best, we have a fantastic conversation. Yeah. So it, it truly just helped me, you know, once again, not have to go to the events. I like going to events, but Facts. not have to be at the event to get to know Elliot. Mm. I can know Elliot now one to one. This stuff you've told me in this conversation that if you and I would have met at an event, you would have never told me. Mm. We would have never even got there. It would have just been, hey, cool, nice to meet you. Fantastic. Hey, good day, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Here's my card. Yeah, Let yeah. me know about the podcast. We'll do this one day. You see, and to me, I hate that. Mm. And I'm not good at that. Yeah. So, uh, because I, I ran a digital marketing company and I had to do that. I had to be the guy that was like, hey, I, you mm. know, this. so I, I've had my journey, um, but. This helps me because I, I could be an introvert, but I could also help the people that bless yeah. me with their time. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. But podcasting to me is just an art that I think it's the last form of free medium that's left. Mm. Um, and, and I like to use Joe Rogan as an example because he's always on the fire. But he's always on the fire because he has such a big audience. But this is my thing. My thing is, is that on a podcast, you should be able to say, do, and whatever it is you want to tell your audience. Yeah. If they don't want to listen, they could obviously go somewhere else. And yeah. podcasts by nature are free. Mm. So it's their choice if they want to give you their time or not. Yeah. Right? It, it, so it's the ultimate, if you want to hear me, if yeah. you fucks with me, you fucks with me. Right? Um, I like that. And I was gravitated to that. So I started to do my podcast to help people. And now it's grown into this. But damn, it's hard to keep up with a podcast. Right, yeah, I so, hear that, yeah. So it's like doing the nine to five, being able to reach out to incredible people, giving yeah. the time to do this. I have, I'm a father of four kids. Hey. Uh, like you know, So it, it's like this process thing. Uh, but I don't think most people realize when they say, stop podcast, this is trash, how much mm. people put into getting a podcast together. Yeah. And most podcasters make zero. I make zero dollars for this podcast. Mm. It's absolutely out of just the strain of my heart and just yeah. being able to to share stories and stuff. But yeah. Well, you're doing well, Edmond. This, I appreciate this stuff it. Is good. That's a long-winded answer. <laughs> and it's an appreciated answer. Your story is important. <laughs> yeah, to basically say that. that yeah. I, I'm introverted because the event, Jose, is not the fun Jose. Yeah. Uh, but if I could get people here one-on-one and I could yeah. get them in the building. I don't even like doing the Zoom ones, to be honest. Uh, but if I could get people here one-to-one, these conversations are great. My listeners get to be the fly on the wall, and yeah. they get to hear this wisdom, um, and they could perfectly agree with my guest, yeah. dislike my guest. They could dislike what I'm saying, but at least they respect that I'm being honest and mm-hmm. being transparent with them. Yeah. Um, but this is the last free form left. Yeah. Journalism is dead. Um, I know there's still really good journalists out there, yeah. but it's turned sort of into like the record industry, where they're either you follow the rules or they kick you the hell out. Mm. 
And in the record industry, it's the same way. You either do the quote-unquote uh, record label way and basically get stripped of your self-worth, yeah. uh, or they throw you out of the industry. Mm. Um, so I think in podcasting, it's fair game for everybody. Yeah. If you have something interesting to say, you should get on the mic and record it, hey. and people should hear it. Because like sucks. you said earlier, the world can hear it. Exactly. And that's fantastic. Yeah. What are your favorite podcasts? Like, what are your top two or three podcasts that you uh, listen to on the regular? You got them on constant rotation. I'm well-rounded, man. So yeah. I, I listen to the Daily Stoic every day. I, okay. I, I'm really into, um, you know, I actually wrote a book uh, that's stoic, stoic, stoic inspired. Yeah, man. It's a small little thing, but, hey. you know, I, I'm really big. Nah, in... don't go out small. That shit's big. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on the second one. but. Woo! It's a uh, small. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm really big into Stoic philosophy, mm-hmm. so I listen to the Daily Stoic. Uh, for fun, I listen to the Joe Budden podcast. He kind of keeps me in tune. Hey, Joe Budden. Yeah, he keeps me in tune with the culture and he keeps me in tune with that stuff. Um, I listen to a few Bitcoin podcasts that mm-hmm. are very, um, uh, that are very, you know, educational. Um, I listen to the Happiness Lab. I listen to Malcolm mm-hmm. Gladwell's podcast. I got yeah. a bunch. I know you said two, but. I, I'm a carnosaur. There's no rules to this. Yeah, like <laughs> if I show you, uh, if I show you a statistic of like I, one of my apps shows me how long I've been listening to apps, and I think I have like 75 days worth of app listening, uh, podcast listening. So I respect that. I'm a carnosaur, and I, I respect the industry, and, yeah. and I'm a big advocate for self worth because Thanks. what Spotify is doing to the podcast industry and mm. what Apple is doing to the podcast industry is basically. Um, making it too expensive for us to play ball Mm. because they're buying everybody out and they're making celebrities podcasters um and it's bullshit because you won't show up in the algorithm they won't Mm -hmm. show they won't you know display you for people to touch you Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i'm always big with you know us creators need to know our worth yeah know when to say no to these big you know uh companies like the example that i give that's an easy one just to wrap this up is people always ask me if spotify were to offer you 10 million dollars for the podcast would you do it Mm -hmm. and they're kind of stunned when my answer is no i would not do it because i don't agree with what they stand for Mm -hmm. and if i know my self-worth i know that if they're offering me 10 i'm worth 10 times that yeah blessings for knowing your values yeah it it took me a long time to get there but most people don't know that and you know i don't want podcasting to die yeah um the Bitcoin network and the Lightning network have allowed for podcasters to replace Spotify and those things because mm-hmm. now our listeners can actually stream us yeah. Satoshis on the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we appreciate you guys for those doing that. Um, but it basically, you know, this new venture that we're going into, these new wars that we're about to fight are going to be all digital. Um, and I think the legacy system is going to get completely disrupted. Mm. Uh, and that's not just the internet, that's politics, yeah. that's real estate. That's all these old systems. I just bought a house, and it took me like a month to close on the house. Blessings. That's a shitty system. Mm -hmm. Why does it take a month for this to happen? Why did it take seven to six parties? Well, in the next five to ten years, my lawyer will be able to send me a digital contract. I'll be able to sign that digital contract. And with my unique signature, I'll be able to get all that paperwork done. Yeah. One day, boom, loan over. Mm -hmm. But these legacies don't like that. So they're fighting tooth and nail to try to Mm -hmm. not get disrupted. Um I'm long-winded today, but not. my whole point is, is that when it comes to podcasting, mm-hmm. we need to be able to get the creators to get their value up front. Yeah. We need to get the middle people out the way. YouTube needs to get out the way. Mm-hmm. Spotify needs to get out the way. If Elliot wants to pay me X amount of dollars because he values my content, mm-hmm. I should be able to receive that in full mm-hmm. because I put my heart into the creation of this, and I should get that back. Dan, drop the cash app. <laughs> they know all the links <laughs> uh, but no it, it's you know it, that's the true value for value model yeah uh, and, and, and I think when people see that people love their stuff and they donate to their stuff and there's no bullshit involved yeah you feel yourself worth more on the other hand now 
I may do the dopest episode with Elliot, and because Apple decides to throw me at the bottom of the feed, my stats show me that Elliot's episode's trash. Damn, and it, it hurts that's my, fucked up. And it hurts my self-conscious, because I'm like, yo, what <laughs> am I doing wrong? I, f- I feel devalued. I feel this is going to be one of the better episodes, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? It's I just, do. It's just that feeling of like, damn, but how do I know my real self-worth if you guys are algorithm the self-worth to death? It's nonsense. No, I, and I hear you. Yeah, And man. I feel that, too. I live, I, I, I feel that. That's yeah. my fight, man. I know it's a it's a crazy fight to have, but that's my fight. That's, yeah, yo. long live podcast. It's a it's an open medium. Listen, it's like having walkie talkies and, and being able to hit your boy. <laughs> this or is ham radio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, next, the next episode that I, if I ever do one, uh, if I'm invited back, of we'll be on a will. ham radio. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be the dopest episode ever. <laughs> yeah, Roger, like, breaker, breaker. I sound like you're in jail. Yeah, Elliot's in jail now. He's calling me up. He only got certain minutes We're over left. We're speaking in code. <laughs> Dude, so I, I just got to get into it. So mm-hmm. what's next for you, man? I mean, oh, you, man. you got a lot going on. Uh, we didn't get enough into the youth, and you can go into the youth if you yeah. want. Um, I Well, I got one question. How about this? Mm-hmm. What's the most challenging part about having somebody young discover their self-youth and guiding them towards that direction? Yeah. As a parent, I wonder that. Not getting in the way of it. Mm. You know? I like that. You know, it's... We have preconceived notions of what success looks like, mm-hmm. and we have preconceived notions of what people should be doing. And then whether we want to or not, we, especially to young people, especially young people that we care about or that are within our quote-unquote responsibility, like whether it's your children or youth that I'm serving for the day or whatever, it's I have all these preconceived notions from my upbringing, from my trauma, from the white supremacist systems and what success looks like for me, that if I'm not careful... I'm disrupting their development because of my bullshit. Mm. Um, and, you know, and this is something that we always have to be conscious of in different places. And it's the whole conversation of intention and versus impact too, right? I can have the best intentions. My heart can be in the right place. But if I'm doing something that's hurting you, Jose, that's what it's about. That's the impact I'm having. And no one, we have a lot of conversations about intention. He's got a great heart though. Like, yeah. you know, he's, he didn't mean it. Yo, but like, what about the impact? Cause and, and like, and that's True. and that's for everything. That's from like working with people to politics, like we were talking about, to everything. So it's yeah. just like we always got to look at intention versus impact. But yeah, the hardest thing is get is making sure you're not getting in the way. I like that. Yeah. I and and and, and, it's, and like one of the things is like we all step into the roles of elders that we should be playing in society and cultures and in communities is knowing that we have knowledge to impart. Right, and we have we can guide people, but we also need to know the difference too between support and help. Like people don't need help unless they ask you for help. Yeah, but you can you can propose supporting them and then creating avenues for support that people can take. So yeah, we just have to be conscious not to get in the way. Sounds very difficult, man. It, it, it's a it's a, well, I speak as a parent when mm-hmm. it comes to that. It's like, you know, I'm a young parent, right? So I, I was a, a 17 years old when my first daughter was born. So it's she's a teenager and I'm still figuring out life. Yeah. Right? So it's like, how do I balance? Well, that's the constant challenge, right? Yeah. Is how do you balance still growing and developing yourself, yeah. but then trying to help grow and develop another human being? Yeah. You know what you just said is really beautiful because a lot of people and like and I get when they say this. Like I'm not saying I don't understand it, but it's just like when they're just like you know, I am now the guardian parent, or whatever of this next human being. So my entire life is about them, and it's just like well. No. Yeah. Yes, like you have a responsibility and you need to dedicate to them. But you're still you and your development is important and your development feeds their development. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you're also imparting that to them. 
because do you want them to stop growing? Like, you know, if one of your kids has a kid at like whenever, like all of a sudden, does that mean that they have to stop? No. So like you want them to keep growing. So in the same sense, you need to keep growing. And I see you doing that. So like, that's a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm big to a apologize, um, mm. but be honest. My oldest is about to be 18, so it, it's one of those things. And it's you know she's a young woman, of course. Yeah. And uh, me and her are similar, so we bump heads a lot. <laughs> I love how you laugh when you said that. You're yeah. like we're similar. <laughs> we just bump heads a lot. Um, but I always try to circle back and just apologize for when yeah. I do things wrong, because at the end of the day, I I still uh, I still struggle with this life thing, man. This life thing is an extremely difficult. Listen, challenge. we we are just learning how to fake it better every <laughs> single day. Listen, and that, I love that. It, it, no, because it's true. Like no one knows what the hell they're doing. And yeah. That's false. We do know what we're doing. But what I'm saying in the grander scheme of things, like we we believe that there's a textbook like you move from point A to B to C, and like that's not true because nobody has a linear journey. Correct. And like as you're in your journey and you're you get your irrefutable call and going. That's going to look different for you than it does for me. Yeah. Um. And our journeys can in, can can intersect, but it's just like there. No one like there's no playbook to this. Yeah. There's just things to like look out for this and be conscious of this and live your truth. Yeah. And if you live your truth, that's going to evolve. So like, there's no right or wrong way to do that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We fake it till you make it. There's like a there's a beauty so, no, to that yeah. old statement. Yeah. And reflection. Yeah. I I've been really big on journaling, and mm. it's for that reason. Sometimes I call out my bullshit when I journal. Like I'm like. Wow! Like, yo, that, that can was... we talk about how you journal? That's beautiful. Yeah, no, I keep telling I, people this. I mean, yo, journal, share, journal. find, talk to people, especially other men and other men of color. Like, yo, for sure, self care. And oh, like, I'm, I'm big on mental health, dude. Whoo. Yeah, it's one of my biggest things. And my, my see, I knew we were something. vibing for a reason. Yeah. This makes sense. <laughs> yeah, big on mental health, especially like you said for us. Uh, yeah. But journaling to me started as the typical, you know, write the date, write the time, and then kind of reflect day. And I used to reflect that night. But now my journaling has taken like a crazy turn to mm-hmm. me, which is fantastic fantastic for a legacy standpoint yeah now what i do is i start my journal by writing a, a basically my journal entry is a letter to a new family member every single day wow so i'll start with you know my son and i'll yeah. do my daughter next day it's the same rotation over and over again but i start with their name in the top and then i just start reflecting some wisdom mm-hmm. and in that wisdom i find my wrongs yeah. and i admit my wrongs in that yeah. wisdom so i start to say well this is what i should have done this is what happened and my whole point of starting that was a because i needed to you know, take the catch out of my brain because Facts. it's always moving. Yeah, yeah. And the second part of that is, well, damn it, if I die, I can leave these letters around that if they have, they can still have my thoughts down in the moment. Uh, and that's what journaling is to me, man, every single day. How often do you write one of those letters to yourself? Never. Mm. I skip myself. Because I, I, I'm in each letter, other letters because usually it's, I fucked up with this or this happened and this mm-hmm. is how I fixed it. Lesson for you. You know, that's kind of the gist of the letter. So I'm in every letter. Mm. Uh, but I think I, you need to write a letter to yourself. And sure. then and then you need to write. And, like, one of the things, like, one of, one of the things to talk about, because I, I, I kept hearing you just say, like, I fucked this up. I fucked, 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 fucked. Yeah. Ask, l- talk to yourself about what you mean by when you say you fucked up. Like, unpack yeah. that shit for yourself. That's going to be tough. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to need a textbook for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, yeah. even the textbook starts with one page. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. But yeah, I never thought about writing to myself. Like I yeah. said, I used to just write regular entries, but I figured that I wasn't consistent with that. And yeah. I think most people get in that group where they start to journal and then they just stop and then they start. Yeah. But when it came to, like, the legacy, right, when I was thinking, like, hey, you know, this so because I have to work a nine-to-five, because I have yeah. so many obligations, there's so many things I want to tell my kids that I can't tell my kids. Yeah. So many things that I miss out on so many things. But once again, if I could somehow leave it in some type of written word, it would live on forever. Um, and, it, I mean, I have a perfect example. Marcus Aurelius was the emperor of Rome, mm-hmm. and he had a, a, a book that was never supposed to be the light of day called Meditations. Yeah. And it was literally him writing to himself. 
my point is, is that who knows if it's just for my kids? They could help out a whole boatload of people in the future after I'm gone if they could just get a glimpse into my thoughts. Yeah. So it's more of a legacy thing for me. No, and that's it. And yeah. but it, it and that and you know and the legacy thing starts with you. So like yeah, yeah. yeah but that's beautiful. I think it, I, I appreciate important. you for sharing that. And like I said, like that that's really big for me. And I started the podcast too, saying um, this episode talking about like you know the healing of boys and men of color, like or or, or you know male identified folk in general. Yeah. And that starts with me because that's the shit that I need. Yeah. And, like, I need to make the effort to do that and then carry others to do that as well through the support and stuff. And, like, circling back to when I was thinking about, like, podcasts. So, like, one of my homies has a podcast called uh, Noche Galactica. Shout out. And, and shout out to, to the homie Christian Martinez. Hey, he, he's out in Oakland doing his thing. And um, I've jumped on a mic with him once. And, uh, and I know we want to keep building. And he has, like, this project that he's starting. I was pulling out my phone. I'm having all kinds of interference. Sorry, all for the interference. But he has a project starting called... Uh, brown boys with the self-love quotes hey. and it's just like and it's really cool and like you know and it's just like about unpacking this shit because this is the hardest thing is that first step to be yeah. like fuck let me unpack some of this let me like do this so but yeah no shout out to you yeah man i appreciate it it's just stuff stuff that i do or whatever so now i'm not gonna let you get away from the question though bro what's next for elliot <laughs> you ain't gonna escape now that i gotta talk about me yeah um i don't know what i do but i do know one thing right and yeah. it is just like um so uh, shout out to my communities and all the people that supported me to make this happen. But um, I had a, I was asked. So I finished my undergrad uh, like a few years ago, and that shit was a fucking journey because of the systems, right? Yeah. Like I went, I ended up after like going to QCC and like going to Worcester State, and I ended up at my dream school, which is Northeastern, nice. and like that turned into a fucking shit show to the point where like they screwed me financially yeah. in terms of not communicating how something would work for me and actually giving me information that was wrong. Yeah. My parents don't know these things. So like they, they trust me to figure shit out. You know, like I said, I'm first generation. My parents are working like 60 hours a week. So it's just like, right. they're like, okay, I'll sign this. I trust you. And next thing you know, <clears throat> I'm owing money. And then the school fucking sues me. Wow. And they win. And like to this day, if I don't pay them monthly, they have the the Department of Ed has given them access to grant my way to, to garnish wages. Really? And because of the fact that they sued me, there's a financial hold in my account until I pay them, so I couldn't even get my academic records out to go somewhere else. When we talk about the fucked up systems, think about how that what what that did for me. And like, there's so many other people that don't have the connections or built the community that I did that helped me navigate that to kind of to finally get my fucking transcripts out for a day yeah. transfer back to Worcester State shout out to Kurt Donis over there who like supported me getting over there and honestly the whole Worcester State community out there Latino Education Institute all of them because they made it took a community of people to get me past that to get me to get my records to Worcester State and finally fucking graduate congratulations so thank you yeah so shout out Beautiful. to them yeah and but I, I tell that story to say like m one of my dreams is to have a doctor in the front of my name like, I want to get, I don't know if it's a PhD, PsyD, EdD, something, right? Yeah. But I want to have this doctorate. And it's like, part of it, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to, we're going to keep it 100 here. It's like, part of it, there is like an ego thing there. Like, I, like I want to walk into spaces um, and have the, the, uh, the people who don't see me as a doctor yep. have to call me doctor. I love it. My people will never have to call me doctor. Jose, never call me doctor. I love that. I love <laughs> but, that. And like I'm going, I'm going off on tangent to tangent to tangent. So pull no, me back whenever you need to. I love it. I did but this. but like, in, but solidified that for me even more. So like, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I was a, uh, I was a a, a researcher. I still am. And like, I was working on this community project, and I was presenting to a room full of doctors, and um, all white doctors. Yep. Of and, course. And you know, <laughs> and um, and they um, 
you know, they love my the data. They're like, you're really connecting with these folks, you know. And I, I was because I was doing my project was at um, the the family health center on Queen Street. Okay. And the majority of uh, I'm gonna say like 99% of my patients were 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 immigrants. 90% of them were Latino. Okay. So it's just like, you know, I was getting them to come into their appointments. I was get they were talking to me. They were doing all these things, and they're like, yo, this this this. They didn't say yo, but they were like they were like <laughs> this this. These findings, the data is great. Yeah. And they're like, what's next for you, Elliot? Same question, right? Yeah. And I was like, ah, you know, I want to finish school and I eventually want to be a doctor. And they're like, uh, like, why do you want to get a doctorate? And then I was just, and then I made a joke because like the, the, the lead uh, researcher literally like just comes, signs some papers, uh, get, sits, stays, stays in the area, Worcester, for like a, a week or so give some advice and then flies back to work on a project he was working on in like Hawaii or some shit like that. And he's from Texas. Yeah. And you know, this person and he, and like, again, intention versus impact. He was, he's a really nice guy and everything, yeah. but how is a white man from Texas who doesn't live here informing, informing community research that's going to impact our people. So like, and I made it and he's making Boku bucks just to sign these papers and have his name on it. Yeah. So like, I made a joke. I was like, yo, I want to be like him. Like I want to, I want to be like him. Like he's making <laughs> this money. And they're like, you don't want to be like him. Yeah. He's, he doesn't do anything. He just sits around. You're doing the good work. We need you where you are. You're connecting with the people. We can't do that. You can't. Yeah. And then I, I stopped there and I was like, that's why I'm doing it. Exactly. Because you, of course I can do this work because I, these are my neighbors. This is my aunt. This is my dad. This is my brother. This is my cousin. These are the people I grew up with. I get them. They get me and I can support them. But you, you place a ceiling on me yeah. and I need to move past that shit. And the, the only way I can do that is when I'm sitting across the table from you as Dr. Rivera. Yeah. And then, the, then, then I'm just going to be like, none of this makes sense. So like you, I, I remember saying like this very statement is exactly why I want to do this. So, so powerful tangent. ADHD is a thing, y'all. I love it. I love it, man. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, no. And, um, so that's a dream, right? It's like, I want to get a doctorate one day. Yeah. And like, you know, so yes, there is an ego thing part of that, but I think it's also like a representation thing. And I also think it's just like, I, I want to be part of higher ed systems in other places where I will have access with that to then bring up more people. Like, love I really want to do that. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, but I want to go back to school. But as you can tell, I have mad trauma with school because it's just like, yo, I still have like this. That's a crazy story. And all this shit. And, yeah. and it's, it, yo, it goes deep. But yes, Northeastern sued me, a first generation who didn't know what to do sued me. And yeah. the case is still open and they're still taking my money. And they royally fucked with me and my career and my family. So is it cool to say fuck Northeastern? We fuck say, Northeastern. Fuck Northeastern. Fuck Northeastern. <laughs> Yo, my, it went from dream school to whatever. And it's, you know, like, there was, I met really good people there Yeah. and my professors were dope, but that fucking system. Anyways, yep. so all <laughs> that, y'all, to get to the point where I'm just like, uh, community members and people and homies from the field are like, Yo, there's a program at Tufts you should apply to. Okay. And I was like, oh, word. Like, looks good. But I was just like, I can't afford going to grad school. Like, I just can't do this. Yeah. Just apply. Go for it. So then um, I applied. Mad people supported me in getting my, my like, letters in, helping me edit shit, got it in. Your boy got in. Hey. Hey. But then they were, but then they were just like, you know, it's 30000 a year. Mm. It's just this or whatever. And I'm like, this is cute. I appreciate it. It's not for me. Then the coordinator of the program was like, yo, just if you can do this page of then, then like there's a fellowship that you can be considered for. So again, leaned into my community. They helped me write whatever, got it. Got a letter in the mail. Your boy's going to grad school for free. Hey! hey. 
I wish I had a set a horn here. I ain't got one yet. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I've been, to you. I've been selected by Tufts University to be one of their neighborhood fellows. Hard work pays off, my good sir. Bro. Good people get good things. Yeah. I'm a big, big believer of that. So man. that is definitely. Thank man. you, That's thank you. Big, that, man. that means a lot. So like I'm. I am gonna go to grad school, so yeah. that's next for me. Um, I'm gonna keep building when, within my community of Providence and the, and the good folks out there. I'm gonna keep building out here in Worcester because Worcester can never get rid of me. Hey, um, and um, you gonna need a statue? Jeez, <laughs> oh, let me let me let me keep burning it. Up on Bell Hill up there. I, hey, so it can fall into the vortex of Bell Pond. <laughs> Isn't there an alligator there? Is there's it? some shit in there. There's a black hole. There's, <laughs> the, that's where the that's where the aliens are. And um, but no, and uh. It, yeah, and to keep building in Worcester and like building with, with people building with you, building yeah, like across it. the country with the homie uh, here that I just mentioned and other people that I haven't even had a chance to talk to. Another thing that I really work on, uh, that I really want to work more on, is representation on the outdoors. So your right. boy loves to get outdoors. I love to hike. I like to get on these mountains. And I didn't get into that until I was in my twenties when I was in the, with I these group homes. That. And I was like, whoa, yo, why do these kids want to play in the mud? Like yeah. this is like, <laughs> you know. And when you're in Worcester, you can be in the you can be in the woods within five minutes. You can be Word. in the mountains within twenty minutes. But my entire life, I'm like, yo, that's white people shit. Yeah. So and what are you doing about that? So like, for example, so like uh, where I work and with other people in the communities who are black and brown and getting people outside is like we do a lot of things with outdoor equity, right? How do we get black and brown bodies outside? How do we <laughs> co-opt or brown line right like i love i love using the term brown line right because they redlined us right yeah, so let's yeah, brown line yeah. that shit back so like how do we brown <laughs> line the outdoors to get um representation outside like you look at the outdoors you see like you know pretty white people with their coffees and their dogs sitting in tents and that's not the outdoors that i see yeah. and that's not the outdoors that was there before it was gentrified for sure so it's just like <laughs> so it's thinking about like like you know i want to hear more stories about people that are out there doing it through that that look like you and me i want to create opportunities for more people to get outdoors and you know through some of my work now i'm doing that but i want to keep doing that shit. I and i want to give a shout out to to y'all to like if if you believe in that too one th person or one group that you can definitely uh drop some support on one of my good friends her name is joe ayuso and she started uh nonprofit called Movement Education Outdoors. She's Afro-Latina. She gets this stuff and she takes uh, brown and black kids outside to to get moving, to learn about the land, and then learn how to be sustainable out there. So wow, that's super So amazing. Movement Education Outdoors. Yeah. Also Youth in Action. We do that out there too. Those are two great orgs that are trying to get people outside and doing things a lot. I can sit here and talk about orgs and like yeah, people doing well, this shit forever. That's, that's the, the thing that stimulates my introvertedness <laughs> is, that, is that you are the gateway, you are the portal for me to see those things and to see hey. and to hear about those things. And my audience for that fact because a lot of people don't know. Yo, this um, is what that communication is about, right? Yeah, like, keep yeah. talking, keep growing together. Super interesting. Grow and, the web. And for the people that are gentrifying the cities, Please stop letting the dogs lick your mouth. Oh, That's no. disgusting. It's gross. <laughs> I love dogs, but don't let the dog lick your mouth. Listen, listen. And cut the strollers out. That the dog needs to be on its feet and it needs to walk. <laughs> cut all that stuff out. You're messing it up. You're messing everything up. Uh, all right, this is all right. To wrap it up, before I let you plug in uh, whatever you like to plug in, oh, I like snap. to ask every single guest this question: How do you tackle fear? How do I tackle fear? Overcome it. Whatever adjective you want to use. Mm, fear. Fear. Yo, okay, I can talk about how fear has driven me. That's why I like to ask. Everybody has dealt with fear, and I like yeah. to hear everybody's take on it. So I think right now I'm going to go back to a word that I've said a lot today, not just here in the podcast but in other spaces because a lot of different things are going on. But I tackle fear by leaning into the opposite, which is trust. Because fear mm -hmm. is the the lack of and the loss of trust. So, like, it's a loss. Like, 
I will fear you in what you're saying because I don't trust that you have my best interest there or like that you're um, moving in a different direction. I have fear that I'm going to fail at this because I don't trust that I can do it. I don't, I fear that something really bad is going to happen to me when I walk out of this house because I don't trust that everything's going to be okay. Mm. So uh, you got to move with trust. You got to move with trust that's and, um, yeah, and you got to welcome it. That's, you know? a, that's a fantastic You answer. cannot hide from the fear because fear is part of you. And it's yeah. just like you got to acknowledge it and be like, hey, fear, I see you and I love you and I appreciate what you're trying to do for me, but not today. Yeah. Not today. I'm going to trust that I don't need you today. I love that. Now, I, I would be a dumbass to not ask the follow-up question. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you have trust issues, how do you trust? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have trust issues, how do you trust? Well, then you get to the you gotta you gotta <laughs> do the work to get to the root cause. Like, why do you have a trust issue? Right. What is that about? What is the fear that's keeping you from trusting? See, it's all like kind of cyclical in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, you just gotta do the work, and you know, it's you gotta trust to trust to yeah. not be trust. Yeah, you, you don't get what I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna charge five cents for every time the word Damn, trust is used. Damn right. Not nah, sponsored by Trusco. <laughs> Pay up, trust go send me the check. <laughs> uh, uh, not Elliot, feel free to plug. Let the listeners know where they can follow your work, what you got going on, anything you want to plug in. Yeah. I also leave it in the show notes as well, but please yeah. let them know. So for sure, so please follow uh, the work that the amazing youth that I am blessed to serve are doing at Youth in Action so that uh, you can find the work. And the youth run the social media too. So like they, uh, you can find all their updates and work at, at Youth in Action, R-I. Um, on all social media platforms. Uh, and uh, I shouted out the homie earlier doing the work um, at Noche Galactica, and that's with an X, taking it back to how it was originally written, or like the usage of certain language and linguistics from back in the day, yep. you know, that was robbed from us. Um, definitely follow um, uh, the boss, Vanessa Calixto, with El Salon yeah. and the stuff that's happening there. Uh, Keep up with the awesome things happening in the field of mobility justice in Worcester and like the youth that are leading things and making sure that bikes, one of the most essential ways to get people around, are, are getting around. And follow us at Worcester Earn a Bike or at Earn a Bike. I think there's some underscores in there. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I'll put them in the description <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and follow us. And there's a pop-up shop happening, which I'm pretty sure is youth-led um, in, a, in a couple weeks. I can get those details out. And... I don't know. I shout out a lot of things and keep yeah. listening to the Jose Burgos show. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Elliot, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your relentlessness when it comes to helping the youth and the community, mm. uh, especially for us Latinos, uh, male Latinos, which is mm. very important. Um, my introvertedness would not allow me to do this stuff. So it's an honor to know somebody that's actually taking the action. And if this platform and anything I can do to help your cause, mm -hmm. uh, please let me know. I hope this ain't the last time we speak. No. I truly appreciate your time, hey. brother. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And keep no, doing the work that you're doing, even though you don't think you're doing it. All right. Yeah, I'm always going to think it's a bad thing. Hey. <laughs> please rate, share, and subscribe, guys, so I can continue yes. to have these conversations. I appreciate you guys as always. I'll see you next week. Get that cash out. Later. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for joining me for another great conversation. I hope you guys got so much out of that like I did. All of my guests are very versatile and Elliot was no example. Extremely outspoken, fun, knowledgeable, and doing big things in his community, which is something we should all do in one way, shape, or form. As always, guys, I appreciate you. Please rate, share, and subscribe so I can continue to have the conversations I love to have and you can continue to get the conversations you love to listen to. As always, guys, take care. Later.
What's going on, guys? If you're getting anything out of this podcast and you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to go head on over to SpotlightCoalition.com and contribute to the show in any way, shape, or form. It helps us keep the lights on. It helps us keep giving you these conversations, and I always appreciate it. Another way you can support this show is if you know anything about the Lightning Network and Bitcoin, then you can catch us on Podcast 2.0 supported apps where you can stream us to Toshis and show us your love. We appreciate everything. Thank you so much.